Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Greg Brazil. I am the North Campus Pastor. Uh, yes, we have one of those in case you were wondering. Um, we, uh, it is great to be here this morning with you. We just finished our Advent series, and this year we looked at some of the names of Jesus from Isaiah, uh, names like Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace and Mighty God. And in this kind of short series, we saw just how compelling and unique Jesus really is. There is no one like him. There's no, no thing like him, no one beside him, no one above him. He is utterly unique in every possible way. And deep down, what you most long for is Jesus. Your greatest desire, your greatest passion is to know him, to love him, to walk in his ways. What you most long for as a human being is Jesus. Now, you may believe that and trust that and actually pursue him, or you may not believe that. But what you, deep down, what you actually long for is to know him and be known by him and love him and treasure him all the days of your life. In fact, whenever we sing songs like this, whenever we gather like this on Sundays and sing, something about it just seems right, doesn't it? Like it just, it just feels right to stand up and lift your voices and, and lift your hands. Something about that just seems right. You want to know why? Because it is right. Like you are singing to and about Jesus and that's why God made you. To love him and know him and be drawn out to his beauty and his power. You were made to know and follow and love Jesus. Now, what I want to argue this morning is that you can't do that without the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't actually follow Jesus or love Jesus or obey Jesus without the Holy Spirit dwelling in your life, filling you, leading you, urging you, prompting you to follow Jesus in all things. So Jesus came to give us his spirit. He came to open this way for us, to die for us, to rise for us, and then empower us with his spirit to walk with him, to live for him and with him all the days of our life. That's why Jesus came. So what you most thirst for and long for is Jesus, and what he gives to quench that thirst is his spirit. Let me show you this in John chapter 7. Here's what Jesus says. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up, and get this, he cried out. We rarely see Jesus standing up and just yelling something, but here's what he's crying out. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so he says, if anyone's thirsty, you come to me and drink. I will quench your thirst. I will satisfy your hungers and desires. And notice how Jesus says he's going to do this. Next part of the verse says this. Now this he said about the spirit. The water that Jesus actually gives us that flows from his heart into ours is his spirit. So what you thirst for is Jesus and the water he gives to you is his spirit that quenches our thirst for him. And so you can't know Jesus without the Spirit. To to know Jesus, you must have his Spirit living in you, dwelling in you, and, and urging you and prompting you to follow Jesus in all things. You weren't meant to walk with Jesus apart from his Spirit. This is why he came, why he died for us, why he rose for us. But to be honest, if we're all honest about this, the Spirit is somewhat confusing. I mean, we can see Jesus kind of walking in the pages of history, but the Spirit, like, where is he? How do you sense him? He's kind of like the weird cousin in the family. It's like, he's there, but why? Like, what do you actually do with this weird person who's in the Trinity somehow? 
Um, I took my, uh, my two sons, I have three sons, but I took my two older sons to see Star Wars this past week. They're six and four, um, and they loved it. They just are drinking this whole thing in, just loving this movie. And on the way home, um, my middle son, who's he's the four-year-old, he's usually asking a thousand questions and answering his own questions, asking more questions off of that one. He's just dead silent the whole time. And then all of a sudden he says to me in the most serious, straight-faced way, he says, Dad, I think I feel the force. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. I said, light side or dark side? And he goes, not sure yet. And it was such an amazing moment for me. Like, I paid $50 for this movie just for that one moment. It was so amazing. That's kind of how we are with the Spirit, though. It's like, I think I have him. I think he's in my life. I think I can feel the Spirit living in me. And what I want to say to you is if, if you know Jesus, you have the Spirit. The Spirit is dwelling in your life uh, and leading you and guiding you. And the hope is to have more of him, to be filled with more of him, to be more aware of him, to, be, um, to know more of what his work is, to be more in sync with him and in step with him. Because more of the Spirit always means more of Jesus. More of, of his presence, more of his power in our life, more of his working, his giftings in our life. It always means more of Jesus. And what you most long for is Jesus. And so you can't walk with Jesus apart from the Spirit, but with the Spirit, you can know and love and treasure this King who died for us to, to save us. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that you can't um, follow Jesus apart from the Spirit? And, and the answer, really, it's Jesus. He's always the answer here, by the way. If we ask questions, it's, he's always the answer, usually. So Jesus did not, Jesus lived by the Spirit. Like he, on this earth, he is walking, teaching, um, doing miracles, healing, dying and rising in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to see the Spirit working, look at Jesus. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can see the Spirit at work in the life of Jesus. Um, so you want to see the Spirit in action, doing his thing, then look at Jesus. Look at him teaching, look at his wisdom, look at him debating, look at him resisting temptation, look at him dying and rising. That is the Spirit working in his life. Let me show you a few examples of this uh, just in the gospel. So first of all, you have uh, Jesus' birth. The Holy Spirit is the one who conceived Jesus in Mary's womb. So uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son and he's going to reign forever and ever and ever. And here's what Mary says back to the angel, Luke chapter 1. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So how are you going to have the Son? The Holy Spirit's going to conceive him in your body. That's how this is going to happen. He is conceived by the Spirit. Then you fast forward in his life 30 or so years to uh, his baptism when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. And Mark chapter 1 says that when he came up out of the water, this is Jesus, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. So he's conceived in the Spirit. The Spirit now at his baptism comes down on him and validates his ministry and, uh, and who he is and his calling. Then you go into Luke chapter 4, verse 1, um, and, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. 
So he's conceiving the Spirit, he's baptized, and the Spirit comes down on, upon him. Then he's full of the Spirit, then he's led by the Spirit. Then he comes out of the desert where he was tempted by the devil, Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus was a man of the Spirit. So all that he's doing, all that he is, his calling, his ministry, his power, his wisdom, his insight, it all comes from the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him, filling him, and leading him. So here's the question. If Jesus, who was the Son of God in the flesh, the only righteous one, dwelt among us, if he lived by the Spirit, how much more do we need the Spirit? We who are not the Son of God, we who are not righteous in in all of our ways, how much more do we actually need the Spirit of God dwelling in us, leading us, empowering us to follow Jesus? This is why Jesus came. He came to show us who he is, to die for us and rise for us, and then give us his Spirit to lead us. Here's how Jesus talked about this in uh, John, John 16, verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is your advantage, Jesus says, for me to die and rise and ascend to heaven. It is good for you if I do this and leave you. And here's why. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. So it is better, Jesus says, to have the Holy Spirit living in us than to have Jesus in the flesh right beside us. What you actually want, Jesus says, is the helper to live in you. He says, but if I go, I will send him to you. He's going to send this helper who would guide us and lead us and fill us. You can't follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And so any attempt to do so only leads you into pride or into despair. If you try and follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit... Just in your own power, your own strength, your own wisdom, it either leads you into pride when you succeed or it leads you into despair when, when you fail and, and you're going to fail. This happens. Let me give an example. When I was uh, in college, I, I was a performance-driven Christian. I still wrestle with this, but it was really bad when I was 19, 20 years old in a Bible college in Mississippi, so you can imagine how uh, amazing I was then. Um, so I, it was my goal, though, it was my goal to master the, the quiet time and the devotional life. You know, prayer, Bible reading, meditation. My goal was to master all of those things. And so I had three different journals that I kept at the same time. I had notes that say, I still have these, notes that say, see other journal. Like that's, I wrote stuff down like that. I would take three and four day retreats by myself in the woods somewhere, praying and and fasting and reading, Uh, read mystical authors. I'd wake up and pray for a couple of hours and and, and some mornings. Um, So, but my performance was, my focus was on my performance and on me. Now I had no friends, which was a shocker, Um, but, but my focus was, myself and what I was doing. So I was trying to master the quiet time, but I wasn't being mastered by Jesus. I wasn't falling more in love with him and and more in sync with his spirit and more in tune with who he was. I was falling more in love with my performance. And so if I woke up early and lit some candles and put the Braveheart soundtrack on and prayed for a couple of hours, I felt amazing. Like God loved me and God was so happy to have me on his team. If I slept in though, my my life was over. It absolutely would crush me under a weight of guilt and, and shame. 
Why? Because I'm walking, I'm trying to follow Jesus by myself. I'm trying to follow Jesus in my own power and my own strength and not the power of the Spirit. Now, some of you do this. You hear us say things from the stage like read your Bible and uh, get into, you know, come to church and worship and serve and give and all these things. And you go and do that, but you do it in your own, in your own power and your own strength. And before too long, you become this kind of checklist Christian with no affections in your heart for Jesus. And you can't really figure out why. And the reason is you're focused on you and your performance and your giving and your serving and what you're doing and not what the Spirit's actually doing in your life. And you're not actually in sync and in step with with him. The same thing goes for when you're trying to overcome sin. So when you're trying to... Uh, when you're trying to defeat certain areas of sin that you're more prone to in your life without the Spirit's power, um, you, you just can't do this. I mean, it, it absolutely, you, you will manage your own sins, um, you'll just rearrange the outward parts of your life, but you won't actually get to the root and actually change things. You'll make these radical resolutions like, I'm never going to be prideful again. I'm going to pray now for two hours every single day for the entire year. I'm done with lust. I'm no, no longer lusting over anyone. I'm done with this now. And then three or four or five days into it, you're back in the same, the same cycle of sin over and over and over. And you can't seem to figure out why. It's because you're relying on your strength and your power and not the Spirit's power. So, for example, let's take something like greed to make you all feel guilty after Christmas. But, but you're, say you're trying to overcome greed. Like you're just prone to loving stuff too much and taking on too much debt and racking up cards or whatever it is. And so you launch this all-out assault on your greed. And so if you do this only in your own power and your strength, all you will do is just manage your sin. You'll just manage the outward parts of your life. You'll never get to the actual root of the problem. And so you'll read books on money management and you'll set a tight budget and you'll cancel all your credit cards and you'll show a friend your expenses and you'll become this Dave Ramsey ninja, just like hacking debt, you know, left and right. And those aren't bad things. Those are, could be good things. But if you succeed, who tends to get the credit? You do. You, you, in your own power, you've actually accomplished these things. You may thank God for it, but you're actually thanking yourself. And if you fail and, and splurge that one weekend, it crushes the shame and the guilt just demoralizes you because you're walking in your own strength. So trying to do this in your own power, you can only manage your sin, but the spirit can get to your heart. The spirit can get beneath the surface and actually make Jesus your treasure and not stuff. He can give you new affections and new desires and new contentment and actually make Jesus look as the most valuable possession that you have and actually kill those parts that desires more and more stuff in your life. But you cannot follow Jesus into holiness without the Spirit in in your life. Now, if, if we can't do that in our own strength, let's ask the question, how do we actually walk in the Spirit? What does it mean um, when the Spirit is filling us and leading us and guiding us, what does it actually look like when, when he's working in our lives? Um, what are the, you know, the, the, the methods of this? Now, here's where it gets somewhat dangerous because there, there aren't recipes and steps and, and some kind of programs for this. We can't manage the spirit. You can't just use the force on him and somehow manufacture the spirit. You can't tame the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, he's sovereign God who comes and goes as and when he pleases, but... He is clear with us. 
He doesn't play games with us, doesn't play tricks on us. He is clear to us what he wants to do in our lives. And what I want to say to you this morning is the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is kind of, it's kind of twofold. One, it's uh, produce in you new affections for Jesus. Like as you walk with him, as he fills you and leads you and guides you, he will produce in you a new affection for who Jesus is and a new love for who Jesus is. That's one side of it. The other side of this is that he actually produces spiritual fruit in you. He, he does things in your life that causes you to act and think and feel in ways that glorify God. Now, and you actually produce spiritual fruit as the Spirit is leading you and filling your life. So those two things, affections for Jesus and fruit, is what the Spirit wants to do in your life right now. And you can't separate these two things. You can't have one or the other, yet you have both of these things is what he is actually wanting to do in your life. Now, let me unpack those for a bit. So first of all, there will be, when you're walking with the Spirit, there will be this affection for Jesus. To walk with the Holy Spirit is to walk with Jesus. So as you're walking with him, as you're in sync with him, as you're in step, as the language the Bible uses, as you're in step with him, you'll find yourself more and more occupied with Jesus. You'll find yourself more amazed at who Jesus is, more in awe of him, more astonished of Jesus, more open to what Jesus wants to do in your life, um, more obedient to him, more aware of Jesus. You will be more in sync and more in love with Jesus as the Spirit leads you. The Spirit always wants to produce in us new affections for who Jesus is. And so whenever you find yourself just... You wake up and you just find yourself joyful because of Jesus. That's the Spirit doing his thing. I mean, you find yourself, for whatever reason, things are not great in your life right now, but you find yourself, there's a joy in you because of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit doing his work in your life. And so a Spirit-centered, Spirit-filled life is not one that's focused on the Spirit. It's not. He never focused on himself. A Spirit-filled, Spirit-centered life is a Jesus-centered life. He always wants to focus our lives more and our affections more on Jesus. Here's how uh, Jesus talked about this in John, uh, John 16, 16, 14. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, he, he's a he, by the way, not an it or a thing. He's a person. He will glorify me. He will make Jesus look huge in your eyes, what the Holy Spirit does. He will glorify me, but he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit's job is not to focus our lives on the Spirit, but to focus our lives on Jesus. Like he always wants to promote more joy and more life and more affections for Jesus in you. And so he never seeks the spotlight. In fact, the Holy Spirit kind of is the spotlight. He is pointing us and displaying to us and saying to us, look at how glorious and beautiful and power, powerful and wise and kind and loving Jesus is. He's always sending you with more affections, with more joy, with more life for the person and work of Jesus. He urges us to worship him. He prompts us to trust him. He applies to our lives the, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. This is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. So what this means is that if there's anything in your life that uh, would undermine or neglect or belittle Jesus, it's not from the Holy Spirit. If you feel led to do something or make a decision or 
purchase something or engage in some activity that would somehow belittle or undermine Jesus in your life, that's not the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that thing. So, for example, let's say that it's a person that on paper it just seems like this, this is the right, this is Mr. Right or Mrs. Right or whatever that, however that works. It's, she's the right one, she's the one, he's the one. It just seems like in every other category that this person is the one for you. They're smart and successful and funny and attractive. And all of us would go, what does she see in you? Like, I mean, you ain't that rich. You ain't got that much money. Like, something's like, there's no way she will, but something about it, it just makes sense on paper for you to pursue this person, except they, they don't love Jesus. They don't treasure him. They attend church, and then maybe they sing songs, and they're, they're a spiritual kind of person, but they don't really love and value and treasure Jesus. That's not the spirit leading you toward that person. As good as it may seem and sound and feel, that's not the spirit prompting you. Or let's say maybe it's a job, um, a, a job that would just up your lifestyle in every possible way. You can send your kids to college and you can have rims on your rims and everything would be amazing. If you, had, if you just had this job, it seems like everything is pointing you and leading you toward this is the right decision. But let's say that the company possibly, the company is shady. And they, they tow the legal lines and they hurt people. They don't care about their employees and uh, the, the deals. Or there's lots of gray areas and they just they step over people. And to work there, you'd have to do all those things as well. And it would be hard to follow Jesus and actually be a good employee there. That's not the spirit prompting you toward that. As good as it may sound, as big as the salary is, if it undermines, belittles, and doesn't promote more of Jesus in your life, that's not the Holy Spirit's working in your life. He always wants to produce more affections, more glory, more, uh, more of a love and a joy in your heart for Jesus. That's one side of this. Now, the, the other side of this, of what, of what he does in our life, is that there is spiritual fruit that he produces in us. There's fruit bearing. The Holy Spirit wants to produce um, a kind of lifestyle in you, a kind of action, thinking, feeling, emotion, speaking that actually glorifies God in all that you do. So he wants to produce in you the kind of actions, a kind of life that's pleasing to God. Here, here's how uh, Paul says this in Galatians 5. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit... So when the Holy Spirit's in your life, he will produce this fruit. Not you producing this, but the Spirit will produce this fruit in your life. And the, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. So your life is characterized, you're a loving, warm person is what he's doing in your life. There's joy. So life is an adventure, not just some burdensome task. You wake up and there's a lightness to your life and you actually feel joyful is what he's doing in your life. There's a peace. There's an inner security that he produces in us. We're not rattled. We're not shaken. We're secure and firm in him. There's patience, which means that you can wait. You can just wait. You can hold on, not panic, not freak out, but actually wait. The Spirit's producing this in us. There's a kindness to your life. There is a sweetness to your tone and your demeanor. And there's a refreshing kindness that he wants to produce in us. There's goodness. 
goodness means that you love what's good. You, you delight in doing and thinking what is good and right and godly. Uh, faithfulness is the other one. He wants, this means you can stick. That when things get difficult and hard and painful, you don't just press the eject button, but you actually stay. And, and you're faithful in those circumstances. Gentleness means you don't railroad over people. You don't just taunt, you know, power through things. You actually are gentle and, and kind and patient with people. And there's self-control. You can tell yourself no. The Spirit empowers you that when you have certain impulses towards sinful things, you can actually tell yourself no. The Spirit produces this in your life. So He wants to, as you walk with Him, as you are filled with Him... He wants to bring these things forth in your life. These things will be present and increasing. Now, some areas need more growth than others. Some areas are more ripe than others are. We all know that. We all have areas that we don't do as well in. But he wants to produce all of these things in us, regardless of environment or, or personality. So most of us, either by how we're wired or how we're, how we're geared, we can produce some of these things. But we can't just play our strengths here. So some of you, like, you are naturally, um, you wake up and you're just happy. Like, something about you, it drives all of us crazy. You're a morning person and we hate you for that. And we, you just, you have a pep in your step all the time and you're laid back and you're easygoing. And so joy and kindness and gentleness come kind of naturally to you. But let me ask you this. How's your faithfulness? How's your self-control? Can you say no to, to certain impulses? Can you stick with a person or a situation though it gets difficult? You can't just rely on your personality or your temperament here. Others, you're, you're more, you take things more seriously, you're more regimented, you're more disciplined. So things like um, self-control, faithfulness come easy to you. You're very controlled. But, but how's your joy? Is life just this kind of burdensome task and just this to-do list for you? Or is there actually life and joy that's inside of you? So we can't just play our strengths here. So when you find yourself um, being patient with someone who is snarling at you, that's the Spirit doing His work in you. When you find yourself just, just in love with life and a joy despite difficult circumstances... Like things are not going amazing, but you find yourself just joyful and hopeful and at peace. That's the Holy Spirit doing his thing. When you find yourself being tempted by certain sinful things, and there's, there's something in you that just wars against that, that's the Spirit leading you towards self-control. When you find yourself falling into sin, you're actually living out sinful patterns, something in you still says, this is not me. Why am I doing this? Get out of this. This is not who I am. That's the spirit living inside of you. But you can't rely just on temperament or just on how well you slept that night. You have to rely on the power of the spirit to do these things. Or you can't rely on your environment. So there's some people that are just easier to love than others. You all know this. I mean, you're married. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Like it's just some people are easier to love and certain times. So I have, uh, I have three boys. And they, for the most part, they're amazing. They're so fun to be around, and they're just, they're really, really good kids. On those days, it's easy to love them. It's easy to have patience toward them and to be kind toward them and be faithful with them. Other days, there are these demonic hobbits that, that terrorize my life. I'm like, what is wrong with you right now? On those days, joy 
you know, uh, kindness, patience. It's hard with them on those days. Or it's my fault. I'm, you know, I'm cranky or I'm anxious and I kick the dog and I lose my temper. And, you know, then it's on me. So I need the spirit living inside of me, dwelling in me, uh, prompting me, urging me to do this. This is what the spirit wants to do in our lives. These things will be present and increasing. Now, he wants both because some days, I mean, you wake up and you're joyful and you're kind and you're faithful, but you don't really love Jesus. You, you just rested well that night. I mean, other days you, you talk about Jesus, you talk to Jesus, you pray a lot, read your Bible a lot, but you engage in sexual sin, you lose your temper, you're short with your coworkers, you don't bear fruit. Though you feel good about him, you don't actually produce the fruit that, that he desires. So the Spirit wants to do both of these things in your life. Produce these new and increasing affections for who Jesus is and your love for him. And then also bear fruit in your life. So when, it, when someone asks you, how are things going spiritually, this is where you ought to go. When someone says, hey man, how, how are things in your spiritual life? How, how are things going? This is how you ought to answer with, with questions like this. How are my affections for Jesus right now? Am I seeing fruit in my, in, with patience in my, with my coworkers, with my kids, my family, my friends? Am I seeing more joy and more life? Am I seeing, my, do I feel lighter and joyful? Do I see these things increasing? That's what you should be asking. Because often when someone says, how are things spiritually? We say one of two things. Either spiritual activities. Um, I've been praying, reading the Bible, going to church, giving. I'm doing okay in that area. Or we punt to things like the sins we've not committed. Uh, not been drunk, not viewed pornography, um, not been too angry, used my blinker twice this week. Um, we're trying to, so it's either things you've not done or it's just lots of activities that you have done. Rarely is it affections for Jesus and spiritual fruit. So let these things be the measure. When someone says, how are things going? Let the fruit of the spirit be how you answer those kinds of questions. This is what he wants to do in your life is promote more glory and more astonishment at Jesus and then more fruit um, that, that God's glorified through. Now, hopefully you see kind of what's happening here. That as I've kind of unpacked this, likely you've kind of felt more and more and more guilty because we can't really, we can't do these things well all the time. Um, in our own power, our own, we, we fail to do this very often. And so as these things become the measure of your life, the bar is now set higher. And a high bar just scares us because we don't measure up. There are times in our lives where we don't really love Jesus, if we're honest. There are places where we are not bearing the fruit we ought to bear, and we, and we know this. And so we kind of panic over this. Does God still love us? Are we Christians? Is the Spirit still living inside of us? So we don't measure up and it makes us scared to death at times. What I want to say to you, though, is that Jesus measured up for you. This is to show us how desperately we need the gospel of Jesus Christ applied to our lives every single day. You need to look at and trust and dwell on and exult in the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. That's why the Spirit's in your life. The Spirit is in your life because of Jesus, not because of you. The Spirit is there dwelling in you, filling you, prompting you, urging you because of Jesus' performance, not your performance. Like his work in your life is not based on how well you do. 
And so even though you are out of step with him at times, that you have just, you've gone off the deep end at times, he's not leaving you. Jesus has secured the Holy Spirit for your life. He saved you. He justified you. You know him. He is staying in your life and will produce these things. He's not going anywhere. If he were going to leave you, he'd have been long gone already. If you could lose the Holy Spirit, you would have already. He's not leaving you. He's staying in your life, showing you Jesus, producing this fruit in you all the days of your life. So trust him and walk with him and lean into him. Let him promote more and more glory and more and more fruit in your life. And so if you're a Christian and you're, and you're hearing this, there are probably some things that you want to see God do in your life. Some areas of growth, some, maybe some new resolutions, some areas where you want to see more fruit and more love for Jesus. He wants to do those things. So trust him, lean into him, let him do these things. His spirit will empower you and guide you. You have access now to the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You can do these things through him. So ask God for more of him. Ask God for more affections for Jesus, for more fruit in your life. This is what he most wants to do. If you're not a Christian and you're, and you're here this morning, we're glad you're here for one. But I want, let me just say this, that the Spirit wants to show you Jesus. He, he wants to make Jesus look so marvelous and so glorious in your eyes. He wants to quench your thirst with Jesus. What you long for, what you hope for, what you most deeply want in your life is to know Jesus. Whether you admit this or not, he's what you most long for and the Spirit wants to give him to you. He wants to pour life into you. So it's available to you. Life and meaning and purpose and joy and value is available to you by God's Spirit. So open your life up. Let him show you, Jesus, this is what he exists to do. Let's pray together. Father, we confess just how much we need your spirit. Father, left to ourselves in, in our own strength, our own power, God, it only leads us into pride and, and, or it only leads us into frustration. So, Father, would you come by your spirit and and empower us to live for your son, to love him, to, uh, to overcome sin. I know we're all wrestling with, uh, with certain temptations, with certain inclinations toward sin. God, would you empower us to say no to those things? Help us to lean into your spirit, to trust that, that he, wants to, he wants to do these things in our life more than we want them. Help us to trust that and believe that, that he actually is... Uh, in us, that he is producing fruit in us, that he wants to glorify Jesus in our life. Father, help us to trust that and believe that that he is near us, that he is God, uh, that he exists to glorify the Son. Jesus, we, we long for you. We long to know you. We long to be like you. We long to walk in your power. We long to display to a city the goodness and knowledge and glory and worth of Jesus. And left to ourselves and our own power, we can never just, we can only just sing songs and, and preach sermons. But we can't actually produce the kind of fruit that glorifies the Father. So Jesus, would you come by your spirit, by your power and, and help us. Help us to live for you. Help us to promote your glory in all things. May you be famous because your spirit has empowered us to live for you and to bear fruit and to magnify you in all things. 
I pray for those who have never trusted Christ. Would you, uh, Holy Spirit, just open their eyes, draw them to the Son, help them to see how valuable and how worthy Jesus is, that what they most long for is Him. So Jesus, we trust you. We treasure you. You're our king. There's no one like you. There's no one who has done what you've done. No one has, who has said what you have said. And so we, we're in awe of you. We long for more. And by your spirit, you will um, quench our thirst and satisfy the hungers that we have. Jesus, you are worth, you're worth everything. Help us to believe that, to trust you in all things. We pray this in your great name. Amen.